Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. going to be a good day. When a song, worship song is that powerful, I have to kind of regroup before I preach or I'll get up here and just cry because the presence of the Lord is so rich and so powerful in this room today. If you're a first-time guest, we're so glad you're here. And we want to welcome all of our kids in the house. The kids are with us today. Give it up for our kids and our, all our Parkway kids, teachers. And, ah, oh man, I appreciate everyone that sews into our kids and Appreciate them being in the house today. It's the last weekend of spring break, and some folks are out, so we just said bring the kids in the house today. So we're glad you're here, and all the wiggles and all the stuff are in the room today. And uh, I like it. I like that means I got to do really, really well. So, uh, but um, I want to talk to you today. We're in week three of Life Meds. You got it, Life Meds. And so maybe if you've never walked through the Ten Commandments, and we did that many years ago and called it Ten. We're doing it a little different this time, in fact, completely different. We are taking the thou shalt nots of the Ten Commandments and preaching on the principle, the life med, we're calling it, behind that commandment. In other words, I don't want to ever do the, the thou shalt not. I want to stay away from it. And so we're talking about the thou shalt, that is the principle behind the thou shalt not. I think it's a neat concept. And so we're talking about this kind of coming from, to all of these from a little different vantage point and talking to, your, to you today. And so, uh, so this is week three, and we are going to be talking to you. Um, there are seven, seven of the Ten Commandments start with thou shalt not. Seven of the ten. And so when we hear thou shalt not, we automatically think that, you know, God was some kind of killjoy or he was this boring God that didn't want us to ever have fun or whatever. So he put all these thou shalt not. And so we kind of approach the subject from that vantage point. But um, it, it would be like you saying, if you're a parent, saying to your children, uh, and you're having, you love them, you have a relationship with them, and you say, hey, uh, you, you You'll, you will not play in the street. You will play in the yard. Now, you didn't tell them to not play in the street because you wanted to, to, because the street was more fun. You told them to not play in the street and to play in the yard because playing in the street is dangerous. It's dangerous. And so the thou shalt nots, again, are saying, hey, stay out of the street. Not because I'm a killjoy, not because I want to be a boring God. I'm not, it's not that. I want to protect you from some things, and I want to speak into you. So I, I want to kind of, the children of Israel receive these Ten Commandments on their journey. It's Exodus out of Egypt into Canaan or the Promised Land, and they receive these Ten Commandments, and they were leaving a pagan land called Egypt. There was tons of idols in there. But they were leaving Egypt, this pagan land, on a march to Canaan, the promised land. But Canaan was inhabited 
by people that were probably maybe even more pagan than the Egyptians. In fact, there's a scripture in the word of God that gives us a little light on what the Israelites were coming to. And it says in Psalms 106 verse 37, check this out, says this, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. So that's what they were on their way to. So this new God that's wanting to have relationship with his people is saying, hey, and this is what we're going to get into on this commandment. He's saying, hey, 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 listen, you're, you left a bad place, but you're heading to a bad place, and, and I want there to be some redemption, and I want there to be some healing of that land, but I need my people, the people that I want to do relationship, and, and so we know the Ten Commandments are about relationship. It's a relationship between God and his people and also a relationship, teaching us how to do relationship one towards another. So they're going towards this land into a land of idolatry and this commandment is built around that trying to warn them don't get involved with what the Canaanites are doing. I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to a new level. I'm calling you to a new place. And so we get into the second commandment. And a lot of the commandments are one verse. This one is three verses. Three verses, okay? So I want to break those down a little bit. I want to teach, I want to preach, I want to do all, the, do all the fun stuff. Here we go. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, the first verse of this second commandment. Verse 4 says this. Read it with me. Would you do that? You shall not for your good make for yourself a carved image. I love that he says, hey, 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 this is for your good. I'm telling you not to play in the street. This is for your good. <laughs> I want to do relationship with you. You shall not for your good make for yourself a carved image. Man, I hope to bring this, this verse right here to light, maybe like you've never seen it before today. That's my prayer. Then, and to really bring it home in 2020 to you. So this weekend we're talking about the life med that is behind this I feel like is behind this, and you're probably going to surprise you because you're going to think, huh, I don't understand that completely, but we're going to get there. I think it's the life med and the principle of purity, purity. So let's chat a little bit and see where we're coming from. I believe this is the life med principle behind this second command, commandment. The Canaanites, the Canaanites had idols for everything. They had idols for everything. For fertility, they had an idol. For rain, they had an idol. For blessings, they made carved images. They would literally carve out from wood, gold, whatever it could be. They carved out images for everything, everything. And you have to understand, Israel was the only nation that God's calling out. He's, they're the only nation that did not worship images of God. Come on, I'm giving you a little, little Bible lesson here today. They're the only nation. Everybody else had carved images. But the children of Israel, listen to this closely, you're going to learn something. The children of Israel are the only nation that God's calling out that don't have a carved image or an idol to worship. They're the only one. In fact, I'm going to jump over in the New Testament and, man, when I read this verse, I'm going to have to calm myself down because I could preach right here. All right? 
But when we get to the New Testament, I started to cut this out because it doesn't fit here, but I just couldn't help but tell it to you. When we get to the New Testament, that's all Old Testament Exodus, but when we get to the New Testament to the church of the living God, check out this verse. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, speaking of Jesus of the New Testament. Are you ready? Jesus, that's the he in here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. All of a sudden, the Christian church gets an image, but it's not a carved image. It's Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, becomes who we worship. Oh, my mercy. I got to calm down, Nate. Calm down, calm down. Got to pat my little ball head and be quiet. So you see, even in this verse, look at this. Israel is the only one with an invisible God. Everybody else had a carved God, a carved image, an image that wouldn't communicate back with you. You can even see it in the New Testament where it says invisible God. Israel's the only one that had an invisible God. So the Canaanites began to talk to him. God knew it, set them up, tried to warn them. Soon as Israel gets there, the Canaanites start dealing with the Israelites. And they start saying, hey, hey, you need our gods. And they're like, no, 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 we have a God. We have a God. We have a God. I know you have a God, the Canaanites say. Yeah, I know you have a God. You need a bunch of gods. No, 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 no. no we, we have, he, he is hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We, we, we only have one. <laughs> Y'all got defrauded. We've got a God for everything. We've got a personal God, we have a family God, and we have a national God. And you only have a national God called Jehovah. We don't have a problem with your Jehovah. We're just saying there's all kind of other gods. There's the God of Asherah. There's the God of Baal. You need this. You need this. You need a personal God. You need a a, a God that when you're going through this, we can handle you having Jehovah, but let us add some of our gods told them to them. And they told them about Asherah. And so the Israelites, whoop, picked up Asherah. They told them about Baal, and they picked up Baal. Listen to Judges chapter 3, verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot their Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Is that making sense? Remember when God was telling, so this jumps into the, the, on the same journey from Exodus. When we get the commandment, when we get the commandment, Exodus 24, check this out. Moses is on top of the mount getting the commandments. And, and we find out that the commandment, you know, the second commandment, don't have any carved images or we might substitute that. Some translations say idols while he's given the commandment. I mean, during the, during the deal. While he's on the mount giving the commandment, the children of Israel are at the bottom of the mountain making a carved image. Because there's something about mankind that we want a carved image. 
is something in our makeup that we want to we want to see it and we want to touch it and we want to we want to we want to do all this and so it as you know it it really frustrated God and made God mad and they say they, they, and this is what the Israelites say said while when Moses came down off the mountain and and he had the 10 commandments this is what they said they said this these calves that they, this is the new carved image they have. These calves brought us out of Egypt. That went over real good with God. God was not happy. And I want to just stop and just say something right here, and I want to throw this little nugget out and let you chew on it. The, sub, the danger of substituting God's blessings onto something else is you will start praising what you created as your deliverer. How many times have I heard, oh, they're a self-made man. The blessings of God have been on them. Yes, they worked hard, but the blessings of God have been on them. But we start carving images, and you no longer can carve an image, and you start saying, that's become my deliverer. And in the process, God quits being worship and what you have now named as your God of that moment, that your, your God of that situation, all of a sudden gets all the praise and God's left on the mountain wanting to have relationship with you, but you set up a new God. Can I talk to you today? Boy, it's quiet in the house here today. So listen to this. this, is, this is, that, was, that was free for you, but listen to this. The Canaanites, and I know I'm giving some Bible lesson, but I gotta give a background of all this stuff for me to get to the heart of where I'm going. And I'm, I wanna nail this thought home. The Canaanites believe that God, that the gods lived in heaven, all right? And that when you carved an image, the God in heaven of that image would put his spirit into that image which brought the image to life, per se. And then they would do something. Once that happened, then they would take that image and they would walk around in their fields to bless their crops with the image. They would have uh, the God that would, they would bring a carved image into their bedrooms to bless their sexual relationships so that they could have children. I'm just telling you where we're at. They would, they would bring these situations into, they had all of this thing, the God of fertility, and, and they would place that in their bedroom. And, and, and I, want you, I want you to see all of this and what was going on in Canaan, and all of a sudden the Israelites start adopting this stuff, and the God of glory, the Jehovah, is forgotten in the process. But I want us to really look, and this is what I'm going to anchor in today, I want to anchor, next few minutes, I want to anchor this next part. I want us to really look at the one key word, and I want us to throw uh, Exodus 20, verse 4, back up again, because I want to show you this. I want you to think about the word image, image. This has really jumped out at me. You shall not for your good make for yourself a carved image. Listen to this. The word image Oh, mercy. Here we go. We're fixing to bring it to 2020. The word image is the root word for the word imagination. 
It's the root word for the word imagination. And I, now I want to, for the next little bit, I don't have much longer with you, but I, I want to preach to you why I believe the life med behind this commandment is purity. Purity. Because when you live with images slash imaginations that are ungodly, it steals away your purity. <laughs> Let that little marinate there. When you live with images or imaginations that are ungodly, it steals away your purity. Now let's break it down. If you imagine, if you imagine yourself with another person, I know we have the kids in here, but if you, I'm going to just say it right there, okay? We're going to leave it there. If you imagine yourself with another person than your spouse, y'all getting it? If you imagine yourself in another job or another house, and I'm talking about where you can no longer be content in the house that you're in, and you imagine that uh, I've got to have this raise or I will not be happy, I've got to have this position, I have to have this much money in the bank or I'm not going to be happy, and I get to the place that it no longer just becomes about we're trading a job or uh, moving up, but it becomes something that I live, breathe, imagine, and becomes a part of my imagination. And when you begin to imagine yourself doing something other than what God has provided for you, guess what? You now have carved yourself out an image. You have carved yourself to an idol, and that becomes the mark where your impure thinking begins to anchor itself. Everyone in this room, I, I, everyone in this room, you don't even have to raise your hand, has had impure thoughts. Everyone has had them. It can be in a vast range of areas, but you have impure thoughts. We've all had them. It, it, just, it just happens. You, you, were, you, know, you, were, you were born and with just boom, and no time you had much sin. You, you, we struggle. With, you and I struggle with this process of our thinking. And so before we throw you under the bus today and say, man, because you had that wrong thought, you have an, automatically have a carved image. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. Have, have you ever carved anything? It takes work. It takes meditation. It takes really thinking about something. I have um, uh, an image here. This is not a God. This is nothing. <laughs> in fact, it's a, a praying man. But this image is, is in my office uh, because a, a man uh, from in this church, John, went overseas and was overseas, and he found this. Uh, someone had pray, uh, carved out this praying man, and he said, man, I'm going to bring this back to my pastor. And so he did that years ago, and out of all the stuff uh, that I've lost through the years and Harvey's and all this stuff, I told him the other day, I said, somehow my praying man made it through. And so I think it's a cool piece, very modern piece, very sharp piece. But I've, 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 I wasn't there when they carved out this image, but 
but, but when they did, they carved this out of wood. They had a block of wood, you know, carved out. If you look here closely, you can even see some of the imperfections there. And, and, uh, but, but if you've ever been around somebody doing something like this, it's not just a, a fleeting little thought. It's not just something they know. But, but you, you, see a, you see a man or a woman sit down, and, they, and I've seen them in foreign countries have little cheap pocket knives, and, 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 and they're, they, they start, they're, they're carving they're carving, they're working, and it's not something that they just, they, they dream up and boom, it's there, or they have a thought and it's there, boom. No, it's something that they, they work on, and they spend hours of meditation. They spend hours of thought and put into it, and they, they carve out the arm, and they had to have vision for it, and they had to have the thought process for it, and, 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 and you see, you see an, an impure thought, an impure thought is not a carved image. An impure thought is something that's fleeting. It's when we as mankind take that impure thought and start bringing that thought to life. And I start giving that impure thought, that, moment, that thing that came through, all of a sudden I grab hold of it and I start harboring it. I, start, I, start, I get my pocket knife out and I start whittling it down and think, man, what would it be like to be with her? What would it be like, sure, you may be saying, what would it be like to be with him? And, and you start building a fantasy world about, about, about the, the, the money and you start building a fantasy world about the thoughts and you, start, and you start carving. It's not just simply one little thought that comes through and, oh, God, forgive me for that. No, no, God's got grace for your, your goofy thinking. But it's when, it's, when, it's when you start carving out things and you imagine, am I making sense to anybody right now? You start carving. How, how many of you, how many of you are part of the church of living God you don't have to raise your hand part of the church of living God and, 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 and got crossways maybe, maybe somebody looked at you just a little bit funny everybody, everybody look at you a little bit funny at church and, and, and you think well I, I used to talk to them what's wrong with them I, I don't know what's, what's wrong with them they must have something against me I deal with this kind of stuff people they, they must have something against me. I, I don't know what it is. I don't even hardly know their name, but what did I do to them? And and I was coming to church, and I had purity of thought and purity of worship, and they were singing, he's my defender, and I'm like, Rah! and all of a sudden, a little seed thought came into my mind. I grabbed hold of it and started carving an image. And by the time I get through, I have patiently worked. And by the time they get to me, the situation has been so carved that it's to the point that I can't even hear the worship. I can't even hear the worship to the pureness of who God is. And what God meant for me to have is a tabernacle or a sanctuary, walk into the presence of God and be in a sanctuary. What is a sanctuary? It's a no hunting zone. Hey, if you have a bird sanctuary, you don't hunt birds in a bird sanctuary. God says, this is my sanctuary. All the stuff you're fighting everywhere else, when you come in this house, it's a no hunting zone. We're all on the same same place but all of a sudden the devil says ha, 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 I'll get in the sanctuary and I'll do it through something I help them carve out in their mind 
And how many people have we lost from church? How many people did I lose when I was in Bible college? Kids lose out with God because they started forming an image. How many kids go to college and they're at college no time and the professor starts getting out a pocket knife and helping them form of God? Oh, you can still have your Jehovah. You can still have your God. I want to add Asherah to it. I want to add Baal to it. I'll just put some things around it because God is awesome. He's good. It's the way you were raised. Uh, God bless you. You can keep your national God, but you need some other gods around it. You need a God that'll be here and you need a God that'll be there and you need a God that'll be here and before long the one true living God is totally out of the mind and I've built God into a modern day God of humanism that I've built around that's built and it's gods that I built and when I build my own gods they always obey me why? Why do they obey me? I carved them. I brought life to them. I pumped breath into them. I'm the, if I didn't do it, they would die. They're just a piece of wood. But when I pump air into them and I breathe life into them, all of a sudden what's dead becomes alive in here. Boy, I'm preaching to somebody right now, man. I'm preaching to somebody. And you know who I'm preaching to? I'm preaching to me. Because I'm one of them. I'm human. I'm flesh. I have thoughts that come through. And if the thought, I always tell our staff here, there's two things you let go one ear and out the other. The first is praise. Whoop, whoop. And criticism. Whoop, whoop. Because either one, you take the good, throw out the bad. If either one gets stuck between right here, you'll start carving it and making it into something that will steal the purity of your thoughts. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap for free. Man, oh, come on, let's just say, how many of you carved an image somewhere? Well, thank you for your honesty. Whew. It's not the passing thought. In fact, I want to steal away the guilt in the name of Jesus Christ for passing thoughts. You're human. Some of you are living under Shame because you've got some thoughts that pass through. I've dealt with people, struggle with, man, that thought passed through. I must be horrible. I must be horrible. No, you're human. You've got a brain. But you have to make a choice and a decision of whether you get in your pocket out, knife out, and start carving it. What are you carving today? I want to kill some so-called gods in your world. I want to kill some so-called gods in your world in the name of Jesus Christ today through the power of bringing purity back into your heart, soul, mind, and all of your strength. I want you to have fresh strength in the name of Jesus Christ because some things that have been stealing away your thoughts, stealing things that have been stealing away your thoughts and your minds and your the impact you could be having in your life, we kill them, we strip them away in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. I need a spirit-filled church right now that will speak the name of Jesus for me right now. Hallelujah. I want to stop and say this. If you're here today, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't have anybody in my mind. Oh, he's thinking about me right now. He's thinking about, you see, see, whoop, pocket knife. I can't even listen to this message on tithing because I didn't pay my tithes last week. He must have saw it. He preached about what he did last week. Oh, he heard. He, he heard. He heard. He heard. 
Oh, he knows we're having this problem and fussing it and me and somebody in the church. I know what he's talking about. I know. And by the time you get through, you got a bald head that's smoother than mine. You got a carved image and it's smooth and it's breathing life into you. And what the devil can't do because, oh my God, this just came to me. What the devil cannot do because he's not omnipresent, God is the only omnipresent one. God is the God is the only one that can be everywhere at the same time. The devil is not omnipresent. The devil only works through what you've carved. So what's he doing? He's running over here and he, he's setting a little boop, little thought there, a little thought there. Oh, I got to go. I can't, I can't stay in one place at one time. Boop, boop, boop. He's running the Bible. He's running to and fro, stirring up. Hades. He's just, he's just setting the thought and he's going and, and you're over there just watering it. And he go, uh-huh, got him, got him, got him, got him. Got him. You can keep your Jehovah, but just add this to the process. And it sounds all good and it sounds all sweet, but somewhere Jehovah's forgotten and all we end up is with Asherah and Baal. I didn't tell y'all that these 10 were fun to preach about. <laughs> I just told you I want to speak into your life. I want to bring them to life in 2020. If I was you over the ne these next uh, few, I would bring somebody every weekend to church, get somebody to the house of God because people need to hear these in this day. They need these things brought to life. Brought to life. I want to say a statement. And, and, and I wish I had to put this on the screen for you, but listen to this. I, when I typed this out this week, I was like, oh, my God, you're up in that. Purity, when all of that happens, purity is then sacrifice on the altar of our idols. Purity. Oh, I would never burn my child. I would never do this and let them walk through and burn them to the demons. But my purity is sacrificed on the altar of my idols. Now I can't get pure thoughts and I can't enjoy the presence of God and I can't even enjoy my work for wanting the, the slobbering and greed for the next. And, and, and it's always good to move up, but, but it's when it takes over my and every thought pattern and, 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 I, and that's all I can see and, and I, lose, I lose sight of the now and what God has for me now and His will for me now. And when you're carving out in your imagination, you're going to carve something in your imagination that that will consume your thinking. And so I got to thinking, if the devil wants you to carve, God equally wants to put some things in your mind that you let become the perfect thing for you. So we're trying to put wheels on this, okay? So I can say, don't do this, but I want you to do this. So how do I keep this brain from thinking uh, thoughts that build up into things that I carve out in my, that become a carved image or imagination. And when this verse hit me, I about came out uh, uh, and started preaching on Thursday. Okay, here we go. It's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It's a scripture that it's my all-time favorite scripture. Uh, people around me know this is my all-time favorite scripture. This is awesome. And if it becomes your favorite scripture, I will loan it out on occasion. It is awesome. You need to get it in your spirit. You need to memorize it. Every time an impure thought goes whoop, you need to go whoop, back out with this scripture. Quote it. Rub it in the face of whatever's trying to build up in your mind. Ready? Here we go. 
That's brother. Okay? Brethren, Old Testament, it broke in the New Testament. You ready? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Comma. Whatsoever things are Whatsoever things are, he didn't say or. Whatsoever things are pure or, no. Whatsoever things are pure, comma. Whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are about, if there's any virtue, purity. If there's any, think on these bad boys. Think on these things. I know you're thinking on something. I know you're trying to carve something. But if it does not match up with this. So God has never been against meditation. Meditation was built in the word of God. The devil always takes anything and tries to make evil out of it. But it started in the word of God, and that is meditating on that. That which is pure or lovely. No. It's not a multiple choice. Pick one if it fits. No. It's a test for every thought that comes in. It's a test. And if it doesn't pass... All the holiest, boom. And if you keep it in, you'll start praising that instead of praising the one true God. It'll steal the purity. It'll steal the purity. If I start thinking on fear, and fear becomes the carved image that I put in my mind, we automatically know that God is not the author of fear. If I had you raise your hand today, how many of you deal with fear, the hands would go up all across the room because somehow we have sainthooded fear. But fear is not of God. Fear destroys faith. And so the enemy wants you to build up a carved image of fear. Fear, you get your pocket knife out, and before long, what you just thought has become to the next level because fear is the amplifier for that. And so let's look at this. You ready? Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? Is that thought true? Well, it might be true. But is it also honest? Well, pretty honest, this thought. Is it just Nah, we're losing it there. Is it pure? Oh, God, no. Is it lovely? Uh Uh-uh. Am I going to focus on a good report? No. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see uh, my buddy, Mr. Shannon Larson, walk in. God bless you, Shannon. Man, you've been to hell and back in the last week. Had his fifth brain surgery, and he's in the house of God today. Isn't that amazing? He was, he was this week.
awesome and his whole family. Can I just tell you something, though? I'm going to use your words on you, Shannon. You ready? Here we go. He was, asked this, he was asked a question this week on Facebook and said, how do you, I'm gonna, if I mess it up, forgive me, but I'm going to say as good as I can. How do you deal with a uh, something disease? What was the word there? Incurable. How, how do you deal with, how have you for 19 years dealed with an incurable disease? Boy, this just hit me when I saw your head, okay? How do you deal with an incurable disease? He said, all my life, for 19 years, I didn't look at it as incurable. How do you not stay in a life of depression? I never thought it was incurable. I don't know what life holds tomorrow. God didn't ask me to do all of that. He didn't put me to carry that much weight. I can't handle it, but I know what I can do. I had a surgery this week, and I'm going to believe for the best of report. Oh, but what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if, what if, what if, what if? I don't know about what ifs. God didn't give me the energy and the ability to handle all that stuff. But he did say this, what's true? What's true is they got so much of the tumor out. Thank you, Jesus. It was more than they were expecting. How, was it honest? Yeah, it's honest. That's where I'm dealing with right now. Is it just, oh, man, I'm going to line it up and I'm going to lean into God and trust God in the process when I don't understand. Is it lovely? It didn't feel very lovely, but when I lean into God, he gave me strength through it, and, and, and somehow I... I made it through, and in the process of Miss being in the middle of the hospital, we ran into so-and-so that so desperately needed us to pray over them, and that was lovely. I want to lean into whatsoever was a good report. Thank you, God. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't have to know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Somebody stand on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can you do that? Can you give the Lord a shout? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Just stay standing. I'm halfway through. But I just got to say this one thing. To, no, there's, I, I shouldn't even said that. And if you're leaving, don't leave now. I'm just getting riled up. But listen, 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 listen. Think on that which is pure. Does it pass all the tests? Does it pass all the tests? My wife, I'm going to give her the honor, is the one that really brought this scripture. I've been saying this was my favorite scripture since I was a teenager dealing with some fear issues in my life. And just the other day, Dina brought this out to me and says, did you see that there's commas there? I said, say what? There's commas there. It has to pass all of the test to get to have rent in my mind. Boy, I feel the spirit of the Lord right now. Can I just stop right here for a second? 
you don't have to do this. I'm going to do it for you. Would you touch somebody right there next to you? Don't shake them, rattle them, roll them, do anything weird. But would you touch somebody right now? I'm going to pray over somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke fear that has become carved images in people's minds, hearts, and spirit so much to the point that they can't think clear, they can't think right, it has clouded their mind and their vision. And what used to be fun living for God, God, there's people that have lost that fun and the purity and the innocence of living for God because the enemy has amplified fear. And today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I cast out all fear in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast out all unbelief in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against every sickness, against every disease, not in my name, but in the name of Jehovah God. In the name that's above every name, the name that we sing about, the name that we whisper to our children at nighttime, the name that we teach our kids, the name that is God, the name that is above all, through all, and in us all, the name that is the alpha, the name that is the ending, the name that is above all and can heal us and touch us and provide for us and cleanse our minds, God, right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Be the antidote for the fear that has tried to grip our heart. In Jesus' name, would you lift your hands right now and say, I receive that in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name, come on, claim it in the name of Jesus. Claim it for a friend, claim it for a buddy, claim it for a person you've been praying for. In the name of Jesus Christ, the the devil is a liar. Come on, the devil is a liar. Hallelujah, God is on his way. He's touching you, he's healing you, he's saving you, he's cutting the chains, he's bringing freedom to you. Come on, grab hold of it and say, God, I'm gonna worship the one true God and his name is. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Man, I feel the whole, please don't sit down or I'm gonna keep preaching. Scott, come up here and get ready and, and, and I'll preach on your way. Next verse, are y'all ready? Next verse, remember I told you this, this commandment is three verses? I've only read you the first part of the, the, command, of the commandment. So the next verse is you, it's still talking about this commandment. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Because as soon as you build a carved image, the next thing you want to do is bow down and serve it. You, what, what this is saying is, as soon as you build it, the next thing it wants to do is take you into bondage and take over lordship. And God said, no, 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 not today, not today. That's not what we want to happen here. You shall not bow down to them and serve. Don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. And then this is the rest of the verse. Rest of the verse. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that you're my God. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. 
Oh, my God, I hope I have time to preach this. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children of the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Can I, can I break this down? Are y'all, are y'all already ready for barbecue? See, see some of you just, I, I lost you right here, and you got your pocket knife back out. Because you said, oh, that's it. I got a generational curse. Third and fourth generation. That's what's wrong with me. First of, it says, first of all, it says, for our Lord, he got jealous God, visit the iniquities, the fathers upon the generation, for those who hate me. Do you hate God? No, you don't hate God. You wouldn't be here today, probably. And if you do hate him, I'm preaching to you high. Because I want to see him. But look at this right here. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting. (laughs) Visiting the iniquities of the fathers. The word visiting here are to give you a clear picture of God's grace. Because the word doesn't say inhabiting. Come on now. The word doesn't say inhabiting. It says visiting. So let me give you a breakdown on that. Y'all ready? Christmas time at the Keating house. I usually go to my mom and dad's. We're down there. I have my dad. There's me. And then there's Alec's generation. We got three generations in that house. If Alec and Taylor will get to work, we'll have a fourth generation. That'll preach right there. I, I mean, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's, that's Philippians 4, 8. There's some good thinking right there from me. Three generations. Billy, what if my dad, this is not true about my dad, but I'm going to make this up. What if my dad was a raging alcoholic and showed up at Christmas, a raging alcoholic, acting like a fool, acting like a knucklehead, and in the room, then my dad's going to be there. I'm there. My son, and eventually, by the grace and help of God, grandkids, that would be four generations in the room. And they're seeing raging alcoholic grandfather. What is going on in that room is that iniquity is visiting four generations. And this is why it's grace. Just because Grandpa is an alcoholic doesn't mean the next generation is inhabited with that alcoholism. But it is visiting the next generation. For my house, it would be visiting three generations. But this is why it's God's grace. Because when it visits, I'm able to see the nastiness of what iniquity does. And the next generation, you have a choice and you have a decision if what is visiting then inhabits. I like it visiting to know I do not want that as a part of my life. 
and the grace of God is giving you a window in to visit it three to four generations deep. That's why you'll have a, a father that's an alcoholic, and if the son breaks that generational thing, the son will say, you're not even bringing a drop of that stuff in my house. Oh, come on. No, 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 you're not bringing a drop of that. Oh, come on. Oh, no, 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 it's not coming in my house. Why? I've seen the penalty and the struggle with that situation, and as for me and my house, I'm going to stay way over here because I've seen the disaster of what it will do. Let me, let, me, let me give you a scripture while you're still standing. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's Exodus chapter 18, verse 14. It says this, If, however, he begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers it, he what? He th- considers it. He thinks about it, but does not do likewise. Verse 17, He, the son, shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. they're going to visit but it's your choice on whether you're going to build it into a carved image and I'm not just preaching about alcoholism that that was just to put it in a gazillion different spots wherever it fits and so it's the blessing of purity it's the blessing of purity the blessing of purity verse 6 last verse and then we're going to go eat pizza Verse 6, it says this. This is the third verse of the commandment. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. God wants you to walk in purity, taking out the carved images that are stealing your purity away from you because he said when you do, if you follow this commandment, it's going to be passed down and influence thousands. And so instead of messing up the next generation or whatever, I want to be an influence in the positive to the next generation. How about you? I want to be, and I want it to be passed down to my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. Why? Saying this, make sure, oh, Grandpa, Oh, dad, or whatever. I remember the day he broke the generational curse. And now the influence has changed. And for thousands of people around him, he influenced for the positive because he held on to the positive commandment, the wonderful commandment that says, hey, don't let impurity steal away what God wants to be pure in your life. Man, that's all I got for you today. That's good, isn't he? God's good, isn't he? God's good. To, Eric, can I use you, man? Are you cool with me using? Come here, Eric. Come here, Eric. Eric come here, come here. I didn't mean to get on alcohol and all that biz hockey, but how, how, how long you been clean? One year, 64 days. One year, 64 days. Clean and sober.
whatever the enemy sewed up in that brain to start carving out and feeling like I needed to numb it with alcohol, all of a sudden, now I have my foot on top of it, and if there be any virtue and there be any praise, Jesus, my great Savior, is going to get it all. Ain't it, baby? <laughs> I love you, Bubba. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Man, this really is not a carved image. It's actually in my office, and it looks really pretty. So when y'all walk in, don't go, Keating has went to pot. But, 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 but I, I want to... I I want you to know today, God's crazy about you, man. He loves you. I really love you. I believe even as a pastor, I care for you. When you walk in that door on Sunday mornings, I, I'm there to hug your neck. I believe in you, and I'm just a dude. Can you? I didn't die for you. I didn't give my life for you. Jesus Christ in the New Testament came, became the image of the invisible God. Every time you're, the spirit of all things want to pull you away, I need you to put the beautiful image of who Jesus is. And he fits, he fits the Philippians 4.8 test and the model to perfection. Lift up Jesus. That's why we sing so many songs about Jesus around here because we're lifting him up with all the Hades that you've walked in here and all the bad images, we want to clear it out and say for the next hour and a half, we want you to think about nothing but Jesus Christ. We want you to leave out of here with him on the throne. We want you to leave out of here with him high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. We want you to put him central in your minds and your thought and every aspect of your heart. Hallelujah. Y'all ready to sing? Come on out here. Help me sing. Let's kick, let's kick out here. Let's kick out here. You ready? Hallelujah. I want you to just I want you to just enjoy the presence of the Lord just a minute. Would you do that? Just, just enjoy. The, I want you to close your eyes just a minute. Would you do that? And as we sing, I want you to meditate. Meditate on the presence of God. Meditate on who Jesus is. Are you ready? Are you ready? Just think about him. You ready? Let's do it. Whatever way you praise him, would you praise him right now? If there be any virtue and there be any praise, come on, give him praise today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray purity. I pray innocence where innocence was lost. I pray purity in the name of Jesus Christ that the Lord of God would lift you up, center your thoughts back on Jesus, the author of the, your faith, that the Lord would touch and strengthen every one of you. You are his people. He is your God, and he's crazy about you today. Hallelujah, grasp hold of that. Hold on to that. Let him touch you in ways like he's never touched you this week. In Jesus' name. God bless you. They're going to sing as you're dismissed. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Sing it. God bless you. We'll see you this next week.